0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Kay. Pastor, Dan We Moss. have to do it, friends. Uh, you may wonder uh, why I just don't seem to get back to our sermon series that we ended uh, or gave a pause to right before Christmas. And the reason is because God is not moving me in that direction. And so I asked him, I said, Lord, are, are we ever going to get back to it? And he said, sure. But you let me worry about when. Because the fact of the matter is, there are some things your congregations need to understand. They need to get. And then he'll bring things to my mind. I said, Lord, well, they ought to know all that stuff. He goes, Yeah, but they don't. That or they're not practicing it. So we we need to reiterate and say, so I want you to backpedal a little bit. I want you to give some bedrocks and basis for some things that every Christian ought to know, but for whatever reason, maybe they don't. Because you cannot teach deep truth if they don't grasp and understand the beginnings. Hmm. And the Lord has kind of shown me that we're not retaining what we should and that maybe I've been giving too much information. And so I can only go in advance as, as quickly as our slowest. Now maybe you can't get it or haven't been able to get it. Maybe you've chosen to allow too many other things in your life or You're busy on your phone or whatever it is you're doing, and you're not grasping all of it. Or maybe for whatever reason, the enemy is keeping it from you. We're going to break that right now. (laughs) Amen? Because if you want to get it, you can get it. So I'm coming back to some bedrocks, and I want you to understand that I've had to change the way I communicate a little bit. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's tough. Because when you are used to communicating in a certain way, and then you have to change gears, and do it differently so that people grasp and understand. Uh, here, here's one of the things that I haven't done well as a, as a public speaker, and I've been doing this for, you know, uh, 30 or 35 years or so. Uh, what, what, what you must do is gauge your audience. Now, I, it's hard for me to do, Mecca, again, because I can't see them. But I know them. Okay, I know most of them. And I know you. And, and what I haven't done is gauge whether or not you're getting it. Sometimes I'll look at people and, you know, it seems like they're nodding their heads like they're getting it. And sometimes they're just like. (laughs) And I could ask people even the same day, what did you get from the message today? Oh, well. Huh. Hmm. And I'm like, well, I gave two, three, four points. Did you grasp those? I think so. What were they? More importantly, how are you going to apply it? And this is what Bill Coker said to me a number of years ago. He said, you you are teaching at a level that is difficult to do in in, in any church today. To seminarians, sure, because they're going to be tested on it and they know it. But to a church, they're not going to be tested on it. They are, they just don't know they are. Not by you. The Holy Spirit's going to test them, and they're going to fail miserably. That's what he said to me. And he said, so rather than having a sermon on Sunday morning and another one on Sunday night, why don't you take that sermon from Sunday morning and break it down and and teach it so that they get... And we did that for a little while. But I really think that Bible Story Cafe with Dr. D has been probably the best platform we've done in years. It seems to be working. And those of you who, who enjoys BSC... Yeah, and and, but, and you can see who's going to it. Probably Wednesday night and Sunday night live on BSC, I believe that those two services are the greatest opportunity for people to get adept depth and learn the most. And yet we put more emphasis on this one. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, so stunningly, that's why this, uh new men's Sunday school class that Pastor Chris and uh, Joel are heading up is so important. If you're a guy going to Sunday school now, you are not invited. I'm not trying to disassociate anybody, but what I'm saying is this is designed to go after men who are not currently in Sunday school and give them something to have a reason and a desire to go. Because if I get the men to go, the rest of the family is going to go too isn't it? So that's why we're doing it. It's so important. Don't feel left out, you guys. You're already plugged in. I need to plug in some new people. Sunday school is an amazing vehicle over there to gain understanding and knowledge of the Word of God. It is. Doesn't matter who's teaching it. Yeah? And those of you going to Sunday school, have you learned anything? Okay? That's what I'm talking about. We need to do that. I want to share with you today Uh, I call this our role in delivery. Now, you may uh, have other visions come up in your mind. Uh, Women might be thinking, oh, it's when I delivered a child, so I go back to that. Some of you who like to get pizza, you probably think of that. Some of you who are actually in the delivery business may think of what you got to do tomorrow. (laughs) You know, But delivery has a broad spectrum as it relates to what it is. And if you have your Bibles, Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. You will notice that this is uh, a section of of, uh, Scripture and a passage that comes directly after the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And so, obviously, everything that happened right after Pentecost is noteworthy because they were empowered as they were indwelled by the Spirit. It's the first time that there was a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit into humankind. It isn't that the Holy Spirit hadn't infilled people for a brief, short time. It isn't that the Holy Spirit hadn't lived in people for a brief, short time, or even a lengthier time. Some of the prophets had it for quite a while. Elijah comes to mind. Elisha, for sure. Elisha had a double portion. He asked for that. He got it. Okay? But the fact of the matter is, most people, no matter how religious, no matter how spiritual they were, didn't have that. We didn't get it until Jesus gave it. Okay? And so when he gave it, now it was a permanent indwelling. In fact, if the Holy Spirit doesn't reside in you, then you are not saved. Period. Period. Am I right, pastors? Okay? So when you accept and Christ comes upon you, it is a permanent indwelling. You can kick him out some denominations will say you can't but I'm telling you of to scripture you can you can kick him out but he never leaves you he's there for good isn't that a wonderful thing so you have to get this in your mind if you're not indwelled if he doesn't live in you then you're not saved and people would say well I I don't think that's true well you can think whatever you want but the Bible tells me otherwise and that's an argument you can't win because it's with God, <laughs> right? Now there's now you can be infilled as well, which is a, a a greater portion of the Spirit, and I believe that the Spirit still does that for certain things. Okay, if you need uh, him living in you, but you need uh, a, a greater dosage of, of some kind of spiritual power. Uh, oftentimes the Holy Spirit will come upon you and then fill you for a time to do it. I believe that tongues are still possible. I'm, I, listen, I don't seek it. I've never received it. But I don't deny that it's there. And when someone says, well, you know, uh, there are certain gifts aren't used anymore. Well, that's ridiculous because God can do whatever he wants at any time. Now, maybe they're not nearly as prominent as they used to be. But they're there. I believe the gift of healing and laying on of hands is still there. It doesn't mean that God is always going to do what you desire Him to do through it. It's up to Him. Sometimes He allows the course of life to take place. Other times, He intervenes and does what you ask Him to do. It's up to Him. But the Spirit can do those things. Sometimes you get a greater understanding, a a, a way to either... uh, Uh, exposit something in Scripture or understand something in Scripture that you didn't before. It happens. I ask the Holy Spirit to fall fresh upon me every single time I speak on the Word of God, regardless of what it is. Whether it's for adults or even children, I do it. Why? Because (laughs) I don't trust myself on my own right, right? Because we think through our feelings and our head knowledge too too often. So, you've got to have the Holy Spirit to help you. And God will infill you as He's indwelling you to do those things. You understand that? Everybody gets that, right? Hello? Okay, we'll make sure. So, Acts 2, this is what Peter seems to be saying and he, and he says a lot of things in this but but this is pretty amazing and you can see the difference in peter when he stands up from the guy that uh, denied the christ just a few weeks prior okay so scroll down in acts 2 to chat, to verse 22 and we'll look at 22 23 and 24 and and, and i want you to get the tail into this look what he says it says men of israel but it really today we should say people of israel because they're both genders there yeah so people of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. In other words, there were eyewitnesses to it, okay? He's saying, you can't deny it, you saw it, you know, right? He says, this man, because he has to say man here, because... Jesus, as God, was not, could not be handed over. Because he even told Pilate, were it not given you, you would have no power over me. That's, that's for sure. Okay? So, as a man, so Jesus allowed it. And in his humanness, they were able to do this. This man was handed over to you by God's own set purpose. In other words, God determined, ordained, and desired it. Okay? And not only that, the foreknowledge that God had. God knew it well before that it was going to happen, okay? And you, with the help of wicked men, in other words, we've all done it. He's calling out Christians here, saying, even Christians put Christ on the cross. You did. We, 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 we have. And the reason we have is because every one of us was a sinner. Every one of us needed to be saved. Every single one of us put Christ on the cross. And when we transgress against him, even now, the Bible says it's almost like you're putting him right back there again. You understand that? So all of us put him there, regardless of whether we were there with those wicked people or not. Amen? Our status put Christ on the cross. Does everybody grasp that? Okay, look at this. He said, you put him to death, and you did it by nailing him to the cross. Yes, we did. It doesn't matter if we were there pounding or not. Our transgressions, our worldliness, our, here's, here's a word for you, our unsavedness, <laughs> our lostness. You don't know, those aren't words, but you understand what I'm saying by that, okay? Being outside of him, that's what put him there. Because if, if we were saved or we weren't in a status of transgression, then he wouldn't have had to go there, okay? So that's what happened. But then in 24, he says, but God raised him from the dead. Praise God he did, yes? Raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold upon him. The killer thing for me here is that God decided he was going. God delivered him into the hands of humankind. Do you grasp that? God delivered the Son of God, the Christ, into the hands of of humanity. In fact, if you want to get real technical, shortly after his baptism, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, because desert isn't the correct word there, but wilderness, out in the boonies is a better way of putting it, to be tempted by Satan. The devil didn't lead him there, the Spirit did. So God delivered him into the hands of Satan. And there's a purpose for that too. God has done a lot of delivering as it relates to the Son. And because of the transgressions from you and me and those before us and those after us, all the sins of the world, past, present, and future were piled upon him. And because of that, when he took that, there was a penalty to be paid. And God also delivered him into Hades. You understand that? It's not lost on you, is it? But he got out of there, didn't he? Because he has the keys to both kingdoms, yeah? The one below and the one above, amen? So God delivered him and delivered him and delivered him so that he could deliver you and me. That's why God delivered him into the hands of Satan, into the hands of Hades, and into the hands of humanity, to die in a way so that you and I could be delivered from our status, which was lost. This is so easy, a caveman could get it, okay? So let's talk about it. I think that delivery is a big business today. We're all about delivery. Anybody? Remember DiGiorno? Is this delivery? No, it's DiGiorno. Who, who remembers that? Anybody? I'm not picking on DiGiorno. Still craft. <laughs> the same people that own uh, Jack's Pizza and the same people... Who owns Tombstone? That's the journal. How many of you learned something today? If that's all you grasp and retain today, we've got a serious problem. Who owns the pizza companies? (laughs) Right, right. All right. But okay, so delivery is big business today. But here's the deal UPS, anybody got a package from UPS recently? Nobody uses UPS. Okay, a few have. Federal Express. Uh, Don't don't get me started between the two of them. UPS blows them out of the water all day. But I'm not. Airborne Express. I used to work for those guys years ago. DHL. You guys know who I'm talking about? You've heard of these companies. Anybody still getting deliveries from Pony Express? You've been around a while. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Okay. You see, these companies, they make huge money delivering packages and overnight letters all over the world. You, you could literally, through UPS, I, I, I'm assuming FedEx would do it too, you could deliver a package, you could send it tomorrow, and the following day it would be in Moscow. I'm not kidding you. It's that fast. Overseas, overnight, it could be done. Now, if it's to a really remote place in a different country, eh, it might take a, a day or two. It might take two days, three days. But you can overnight to every major city in the world. How many of you knew that? If, as long as you're willing to pay for it. Pizza delivery is another business that is huge. Yeah? Anybody had a pizza delivered in the last month? Where are, who, where, who are you folks? They don't deliver at my house. They don't deliver at your house? I'd find somebody who did. <laughs> who, who's, come on, who's had a pizza delivered? One per, two people have had a pizza delivered. How do you survive out here? Little Caesar, that's not pizza. <laughs> I don't even know if they deliver. But listen, what's that? That's Burn. Dude, we got to talk. Okay, so uh, yeah, but pizza, that's big business, right? How many of you seen the cars running down the street and they've got like the, the hut on top or they've got the Domino's thing on top of the cars or, what, or, uh, you know, or Papa John's or whatever it is, right? This has been going on quite a while. I never knew that was possible. I never, when I was a kid, I didn't know it because we lived in the country and nobody delivers out there, right? You're not that far out, <laughs> but man, we need to get. I need to. What's that? I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. Okay, but see, you delivery is huge, man. When I got into the Marine Corps and I, um, I went to, uh, got out of boot camp and went back to school, back in uh, Camp Pendleton, um, and I, I, I was stunned. You could actually have a delivery driver bring you a pizza, you know, to leave, onto the base, bring it to your, where you lived. I'm like, what? It was Domino's. And they did it. And it was pretty darn good. I was surprised. They're not so good anymore, but they were good then. And the fact of the matter is, they're all trying to find a better way to make pizza, aren't they, Papa John's, cheaper. I got news for you. You don't make any pizza better, cheaper. <laughs> no, no. right? The cheaper you go, the, the less it is, every time. But, the, but delivery is huge, and they make a lot of money on delivery for convenience. Captain. Sir. Met, wants to add, no one to pizza <laughs> well, tell them, nobody up there except for one couple probably well a couple maybe two or three people live in mecca <laughs> i don't know but anyway i believe if there's a big enough demand somebody will deliver to you and i got news for you you don't have to use the delivery drivers from that organization you could probably get an uber driver to bring you a pizza DoorDash, right? Isn't that what you're talking about? There's a gazillion of these places that will go to any restaurant you want. And COVID drove this huge. You could have something delivered from any restaurant, just about any of them. And and an independent driver will pick it up and take it to your house, guaranteed. I think, Mandy, you could get it. Yeah, but you could probably get it. We're not talking about cost. You can get it. Delivery is huge, Okay. And they've realized that they can increase their business threefold or more by simply offering delivery. And they aren't the only ones. Appliance and delivery or furniture stores are scurrying for the right to do business with consumers. You can even get this, friends you can buy a car online and it will be delivered to your door. You never have to leave your house. Carvana. And it's a big tower. Uh, of glass and you can see the cars in there. They've got one in in Indianapolis. I literally tested it. Yes, I can buy a car from Carvana almost anywhere in the country. They will deliver it to Indianapolis and then someone will deliver it to my house right here. Sight unseen. Uh, But you've got everything on it. The Carfax and everything. Stunned, aren't you? You can do it. And many people are even off, even offering same-day delivery in order to make their store the buyer's choice. Because you know what? Here's what I found. I've seen people again and again at Lowe's, Menards, whatever, talking to or the appliance places, talking to these appliance people, this and that, or this whatever. And here's what'll happen. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. You deliver it? Sure. yeah. Can we get it tomorrow? Oh, no way. Uh, how about how about in two days? No, we're too far out. They say, Ah, yeah, I'm not interested. And they'll walk, go somewhere. They'll go someplace so they can get it right away. Taking all that time up to do the deal, and just because they couldn't get it delivered when they wanted, not interested. Do you know why Amazon is so fast? Business. They want they know that if if you got a Prime account, (laughs) okay, you can get it in two days. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, right now you can do it. It's that fast. Delivery, it's all about delivery for us. It's all about convenience. And again, the pandemic, everybody's doing curbside delivery and no contact door delivery. You can literally be in a hotel anywhere and order up food of any sort, either from that company or from an Uber driver or from DoorDash or whoever, and they will send you a text and say, your food is here. And you open up the door, you never saw anybody, and there it is on the floor. That fast. I'm I'm talking... From experience, I'm telling you, you can do it. I've seen it. I've watched it in hotels. I've seen them come in and drop the food down. I'm like, yikes. And then you see who the bag is. and Thank God I didn't know I could do that. And there it is. You know what, friends? You can get just about all of your groceries at any store delivered to your door. They will literally shop for you Package them up and deliver them, or you can go to their back door or whatever. Kroger's does it. Basler's is now doing it. Now, listen, if Bazers is doing it, there's money in it. They wouldn't be doing it. Bob Basler is an innovator, I'm telling you. Casey is even greater innovator. Those guys are smart. That's why they've made this, this grocery store is a little bit more money than some of the other retailers. But you know what? You get what you pay for, and you pay for what you get. And these guys have good service. they got good product. And if you want something and they don't have it, they'll almost always bring it in for you, if it's even available. Listen, there's money in it. They, w- they want to draw customers. They want you to be, that's the go-to place. but that's, Delivery is everything. You know We can even deliver people. We can even deliver people. It used to be that only taxi and bus city services were it, but now with Uber, well, <laughs> gosh, you can get delivered anywhere at just about any time in almost every city or town in the United States. Now, we might think that much of this is a new concept to the universe, but I'm telling you right now it's not. This idea of delivery and convenience is not brand spanking new. We think it is, and yes, COVID has enhanced it, but it's not new. Again, I'm trying to think. Back in 1981, When I got my first delivered pizza, Domino's was doing it. So it's not new. Okay? But here's the other thing. (laughs) Humans have always wanted things to be delivered, and I think God knew that. And in a sense, he too is in the delivery business. We just read that he was. Number one, the Father delivered the Son into the presence of humankind. He delivered the Son into the presence of humankind. The gospel is actually like sort of a spiritual gift certificate. That's the, that's the best thing. I know that we don't really get gift certificates anymore. We're usually doing these like the gift cards or whatever. Well, whatever. You, you understand my, what, I'm, what I'm talking about. And they usually have an expiration date. You can only use it for certain things, right? And you can't cash in and get the cash back. It's for merchandise that's already, it's already been paid for. And what a gift certificate or a gift card is, is really a promissory note. You see, not from you, but from the retailer. The gift has already been paid for, and it's yours to claim and redeem. It's paid for by somebody else, and now, because it's already paid for, the retailer or whoever it's from, wherever it's purchased at, has to redeem it. They've promised to deliver the goods to whoever presents the coupon or the card or whatever. You understand? Surely you get that. That's what it is. Okay? You can... Get one from almost anybody for just about anything. I remember when McDonald's first started selling gift certificates. anybody remember that when they used to do it? You could buy them a pack of five. You could buy them a pack of 10. They don't have them anymore, they have a card now, but you could get gift certificates. And I, I thought it was sort of a silly thing to do because I didn't see a gift certificate uh, at McDonald's as that desirous. I, 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 just, I just didn't. But I'm telling you, McDonald's doesn't really cost that much And for a few dollars, maybe even a little over a dollar from the dollar menu, which they do have, okay, you could get something to eat. One dollar would get you something with with some tax. But I'm going to tell you this. Those gift certificates took the world by storm. Grandparents loved it because kids were always... uh, into getting those things. They loved it. Oh, McDonald's gives her to Why? Because I ask any one of my grandchildren, okay, want to have lunch? Yeah, where do you want to go? McDonald's. I'm thinking, there are other restaurants. And there's many that are a whole lot better than that one. Because I, I think, you know, I'm not going to rip on McDonald's here, but I know for a positive fact that there is, I think it's a, I think it's a quarter pounder, And I think they have some fries and something else that has been on display for 20 or 25 years. Is that what it is? Yeah. And it looks pretty much like the day it was when it came out. What's in those things? I want to know. I mean, does it mean if you eat them that it'll preserve you a little longer? I doubt it. (laughs) Probably mean you're going to go a little quicker, you see. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, McDonald's is, well, how do they put it? Uh, McDonald's is your kind of place. Who remembers that? That slogan's gone. Guys, wake up. Wake up. You, I know that some of you remember McDonald's is your kind of place. Who remembers that? I, I remember when they had uh, eight, eight million served. Now, they don't even put on the sign anymore. That's how many billions it is. Trillions. Okay? And they have become the restaurant of choice for every kid in America. Maybe even around the world. When I took a mission trip, took a group of pastors to teach at the um, Catholic Ukrainian University, and I taught them, we we taught them theology, a crash course in in theology, um, and all the things you need to be as a pastor for the Evangelical Church of Ukraine, fledgling church starting. I took this group of eight pastors over there, and we taught them in school for two weeks. You guys, some of you were here then when I did that. (laughs) <laughs> for the first week, we had cabbage and tomatoes and maybe some chicken, and then we had cabbage and tomatoes and maybe some chicken for a whole week, pretty much in different ways. And when I went down with the mail truck to get online and make some reports and what have you, I found that <laughs> in Kiev, in the middle of the circle, there was a, a, literally a McDonald's there. Then I found that if I went down the street, the middle guy told me, hey, well, there's more American restaurants. You can go and go down, in, under, go down the steps underneath the street, and there's like a mall down there. And there was a Baskin-Robbins in there, and I said, I know where those pastors are going. You should have seen them. From just a week, took them down there. They saw that McDonald's. They went, oh! They were buying and stuffing them in their pockets. And I had a picture of them, sitting. Go- then I took them downstairs, and they, they Bas- Baskin-Robbins! And they, and they were, some of them had <laughs> two bits of stuff, and they were sitting, just after a week, and they were sitting along the edge of this thing, up and, and it was getting kind of twilight, and here we are, no one's saying a word. They're just, they're just, they're just some bliss. Right? Over at McDonald's and Baskin-Robbins. And yet, you yeah, have two or three you know, four, five McDonald's in town, two Baskin-Robbins in town, and I, can't, I think it's one now. But either way, I mean, we don't get that excited, but if you don't have it, you do. And, and, and here's the deal, friends. You know, gift certificates are cool because when you, you don't have to pay for anything. You just go in and there it is. You get it. Right? You get it and you like it because you can basically uh, get more food or more expensive food that you wouldn't do if you were buying it yourself. But with a gift certificate, you didn't pay for it anyway. It's like, oh, okay, I've seen kids do it time and again. They'll buy more than they really need to. And their parents will be like, or, why, why you get, save it for later. No, they want to know. And so many people wipe out the value of the gift certificate pretty quickly. But here's the deal. The gospel promises salvation to those who want it. Did you know that? Now, you probably think, what's this got to do with McDonald's or any other delivery? Well, I'm getting there. Now, I think there's a few problems with it. Many people struggle to take anything from from anyone that they didn't pay for in some way. Have you noticed that? Many people struggle to accept anything from anyone for which they didn't pay. Or they feel like they didn't give something for it. Now think about that. If you receive a gift at Christmas from someone that you didn't reciprocate with a gift to, it makes you uncomfortable. And the first thing you do is you want to run out and buy them something so you feel more comfortable in receiving their gift. Now, t- now who, tell me you, who doesn't do that? In this group, you probably all do. In the group over there, they don't care. You do. You do. You care, and those of you at Mecca and online, I don't know where you're at. I'm guessing you care, but the fact of the matter is that's that's how we operate. It's the same with cards. How many of you have have received, you know, you didn't send a Christmas card to somebody, but you got one from them in the mail, and you're like, do do I have enough days before Christmas to get one out to them? And you run off, and you buy a of cards to send them out to them. I stopped doing that a long time ago. You send me a card, I'm probably not going to reciprocate. I just, I just, I just don't, I don't do Christmas cards. I like getting them. I'm sure you do too, but I'm, I'm not going to send them. If my wife sends them, great. That's just me. But, but, but see, but this is what we do, though. We're, we're worried about getting something to somebody because they sent one to us. I've seen it a gazillion times. Just like people won't necessarily uh, stay at a pitch-in dinner if we have it here unless they knew about it and brought something to it. They won't stay. And they'll make excuse after excuse as complete, for lack of a better term, a big lie. They'll make an excuse, well, I got this, oh, i got that, when they just are embarrassed that they don't have something. As much food as we make at either one of our facilities, you don't need to worry about that. Very seldom is the day we don't have enough food. But that's how people think. And still others don't mind getting things at no cost, but they find it hard to believe that it really is free and at no cost to them. Because the old saying is, if it seems too good to be true, it likely is. And still others love the idea of free or no cost, and so they will take advantage of it whenever they can. I'll bet you you know somebody like that. In fact... They typically expect things to be given to them at no cost. Good night. We got a generation of people growing up now that thinks that they should never have to pay for their college, that we ought to do it. No, because we know you're going to screw around there and not learn anyway. A lot of them will. I've known kids that got these big student loans. They didn't use it in school. They bought cars and stuff like that with it because it's low interest. Yeah, I know, but you still got to pay it back. I remember one time uh, my kids, we were all in the minivan. Jessica probably remembers this, Frank might too. We were out running around and the kids were hungry and I didn't have any cash on me. It was one of those times when it was lean and we had a lot of those (laughs) when I was younger. Um, And so they said, hey, can we go to, I think it was McDonald's (laughs) or someplace. And I said, no, we don't have the money. Write a check. That's what they said, write a check. Do you not understand that you just can't keep writing checks? Many people over in the federal prison have learned the hard way, you just can't write a check for something that you don't have the money for. Check deception is a felony over a certain amount. It is, it is. But to a kid, they don't understand that. They just think the money's always there. Hmm. And some folks don't seem to care what the cost was to the one who gave whatever they received and they usually don't think about nor care what obligation they may have from accepting it in fact they think there isn't one tell me we don't have a generation of people that thinks that today friends why so much time on this portion because Jesus was sent to live among humans we have to grasp this. You're going to be stunned at the similarity in, the, in a correlation between our society, our thinking, and what he did. He was sent by the Father, amen? John 3.16 tells us that the, the Father did it, yes? If you didn't know anything else, you learn that today. The Father sent the Son amongst humankind, didn't he? The Bible tells us it was the Father's will for the Son to... Come to God's created humanity and the father had to send the son because there was no longer any sacrifice on the face of the planet that would adequately pay the penalty for human sin and disobedience there was no no animal sacrifice no sacrifice on the face of the planet one brilliant theologian once said that the sin of humankind had gotten so great that had God continued in the old Testament way there would be no animals left on the earth they couldn't procreate fast enough I haven't done the math on that but I wonder how accurate that is probably pretty accurate you think about it and more than that the sinfulness of mankind had gotten so deep and so strong and their following of Satan had come even if they don't even know it had, had gotten so commonplace that there was no sacrifice that would adequately cover the demand that's how bad we got. And friends, you know that's true today, because there's nothing off limits anymore. Watch television. Watch television. That's all you need to know. My wife told Alexa the other day. I got Alexa? <laughs> My mother gave us, she, she bought this Alexa. She didn't know what to do with it. So she gave it to us, and it's kind of cool. You set an encounter, and you—it's kind of like Google. You, you know, hey, hey uh, okay, Google, or some of you people use what Siri? I guess it is. Uh, but anyway, whatever your 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 you know your phone uses, um, but Alexa is the same thing. You can attach Alexa to your television, whatever, and and so she said, Alexa, uh, play music on a Christian channel. And so Alexa goes to the Christian channel and immediately an advertisement pops up, as they always do, because there's got to be advertisement, and it is two men in a homosexual relationship who have kids with them, talking about different things. And the reason that that's there is because Satan wants you to think, on a Christian station, that that's normal. Tell me that's not why they're doing it. Do you think they didn't target that station on purpose? Because they want to desensitize Christians and to think of that. And here's the deal. There's Christians out there that think it is. Now, I'm not going to hammer on that today. You know my thoughts on it. You know why they are? Because the Bible says. Period. I know, there's no way. But that's what, that's what we're doing. That's where our sinfulness has gone. And it's way more than that. Way more. That's just the beginning. And let me tell you something. Homosexuality is no greater sin than many other, all the other sins out there. Any unconfessed sin dooms you, period. You understand that? Doesn't matter what it is. There's not one sin worse than another. Jesus said that. But he died for them all. Praise his name. Amen. So you have to understand that. And then the Bible tells us that the son was completely in agreement with the father, even though we don't want to admit that. Because we want to think that the father sees things as sinful and the son, well, he understands more, so he doesn't. No. They're complete agreement. And anybody out there that thinks that the Father and Son see things differently, well, then you haven't been in the Word of God at all. Zero. Because Jesus himself said that I and the Father are completely in agreement. Our spirits completely are in agreement. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, which is part of the Trinity, keeps them this, that way. Yeah? Is the Father Spirit in the Son? Yes. And then the Son put it in us? Yes. So where should we be? in complete agreement with the Father and the Son, shouldn't we? And if we're not, something's wrong with our spirituality, isn't it? It's real simple. And so because the Son is completely in agreement with the Father, he knew what he had to do. I don't think anybody says, oh, goody, I get to die today, especially like that. In fact, the Bible indicates to me he didn't really want to in his humanness as much as his godliness did. Do you understand that? for he loved us that much. And so he knew what he had to do, and that was to pay the ultimate penalty for all the humans that he loved. He realized that if he didn't do it, that none of us would have any hope whatsoever of escaping eternal death. None of us. Do Do you grasp that? Nobody out there without the sun is good enough, no matter how good you think you are, to get to heaven to spend eternity with the father you can't do it without the son I don't care if you think you've never sinned in your life you can't do it you can't do it say it with me I can't do it I can't do it nobody can do it they can't so in order to fulfill the requirements of justification and the penalty the father sent The son to be born of a human mother, to live a brief life on this earth, and then to die, my friends, for the humans he came to live with. He was delivered, and there's that word, he was delivered among the lost creation that he in turn came to save. Why am I telling you this? Because I don't think everybody gets it. He left his heavenly kingdom, took a lowly position on this earth, which it is, much lower than in heaven, yes. The Bible says a little lower. It says that humans were created a little lower than the angels. We are. But when we get the new heavenly body, we'll be above them, yes. Okay, that's something you need to know if you didn't. And he did this because the Father desired it. The Father is the one who wanted to save you. Even more so than the humanity of the Son. Do you understand that? It was the Father that wanted you saved. And the Son agreed with it in both positions. In His godliness and in His humanness. Which is why He did it. And when Jesus does this, He did it because He shared the Father's love for human creation. He was delivered Into our realm of sin. Because this was a cesspool to him. You might not think where you live is a cesspool. The further I get in age, the longer I get, I see it more as a cesspool. Anybody? The deeper my spirituality, I see it for what it really is. Anybody? Just like Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world. This is not my home. It's where I live for now, but it's not where I'm going to live forever. Anybody? Anybody? This is temporary. He was delivered into this realm of sin, into this realm of deceit, into this realm of disobedience, and into, I dare say, this realm of absolute self-centeredness. That's where he was delivered. There is no self-centeredness in him. He came to save you and me. No self-centeredness there. But for us, we're self-centered. And it's a place he didn't deserve to go, but he willingly accepted to go there. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. I remember the day that I came down here the very first time with my van full of kids. We drove in here from South Bend, pulled up out here in front, walked to the front door. Gary Larmer stood outside. He says, we've been waiting for you. I'm so glad you're here. And I hadn't decided I was coming here. And I had to make a decision. I looked at this building. I looked at the people in it. I looked at the community. I looked around. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't sure I wanted to go here. For a variety of reasons, because it wasn't what I came from. Now, before you judge me on that, let me tell you something. As humans, we all do that in some manner or way. Every single one of us does that. Every single one of us. And let me tell you something. If anybody had a right to do that, it was Jesus, but he didn't. He looked, he, he, he looked at what we are and what we were, and he, uh, and, and he decided, I'm going. It wasn't that easy of a decision for me, because I'm human. I'm grateful that I did. I'm grateful that the Lord said, I want you to go there. But I also knew that in my humanness, I could say, well, God, I don't don't know that you're really telling me that. I know that because you're doing it. I know that because you're going to continue to do it. Why? Because in our humanness, we want to make the decisions, and we'll justify it in any way, even saying that God's not leading us that way. Tell me you won't. Tell me you haven't. I know you will. But Jesus didn't. He didn't deserve to be here, but he came anyway. He was obedient to the delivery that was expected of him. He had a delivery to make too. And so he was delivered by the Father and by the Spirit so that he could make the delivery of us back to the Father. Which is my second point. The Son delivers unbelievers into the presence of the Father. And that's a rough place to go when you're, when you're an unbeliever because you feel inadequate ask Isaiah (laughs) he'll tell you when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and whatever status he saw what did he say oh what was me I am undone I am I am a man of unclean lips that's what he said and Isaiah was about the best the world had to offer at that point (laughs) how bad was the world you know right anybody wonder that sometimes stay with me kids come on Yeah? You see, this this whole concept is based upon ancient customs ordained by God. A steward controlled all visits and audiences before any king. In fact, no one could see the king without the steward's permission. In fact, Queen Esther herself took a massive risk by approaching King Xerxes. You remember that story? If you haven't, get in there and read it. You'll see it. Uh, Because she wasn't summoned. And she knew that the king didn't send for her, but she just went into the throne room and walked past the steward, which was exactly what she did, okay? The steward probably stood up, and she went right past him. I remember uh, not too long ago, uh, I don't know about how it is in California, but I can tell you in Indiana what you can do. Uh, I hate it when the people at Walmart say, let me see your receipt. I say, no. Absolutely not. Because in Indiana, you can. It happened in California, too. Carol was out in the car. I went in to get a, some batteries, a couple of things, and there's something I can't remember, and I didn't need a bag for it because just a couple of things. So I walked out, and this, this guy in a yellow vest said, sir, let me see your receipt. And I said, no, would you have a nice day? And he just looked at me and walked back away. You don't have to show me your receipt. I had it in my hand, but I wouldn't give it to him. Now, Sam's Club, because you wrote the agreement, you have to. That's a requirement, but no other retailer can make you do that. In Indiana. They have to see you take something and conceal it with the intent to take it out without paying for it. They have to keep complete eye contact on you the entire time as you go to the door. Because if they don't, it it ends right there. Because you could take it out and set it back down. Change your heart. But if they've got to watch you and know it's there, and then when you go to the door and walk out, then they can stop you. But not until. Because otherwise, that's accusing you of theft. And you know what? That could get him into a lot of trouble. In Indiana, you don't have to show him anything. Now, I just don't like it that they do it. Anyway, because it makes me think like I I didn't do anything wrong. I'll never steal something. But that's, you know, anyway. So, and the reason I say that is because, you know, she could have had this massive penalty. She didn't have a receipt. She didn't have a summons. She didn't have a pass. She had nothing. She walked in there, and it could have been, oh, I'm not in the mood today. You're done. See ya. It would have been that quickly. And and thankfully, uh, he didn't do that. You had to have permission. Even in Joseph's day, Joseph made the decisions for the country. He ran the country instead of Pharaoh. And everybody had to go to Joseph for anything that required Pharaoh's approval because he acted in Pharaoh's stead. And the fact is, There had had to be a mediator in those days. Nobody could go to the king. Nobody could go to Pharaoh. Nobody could do that. The common people had no way to do that. They had to have someone go in their place. You understand that? The king was on a higher plane than the common man. And this is an ancient truth that is still not changed until Christ. Now we can enter the throne room, but we can only do it through Christ. <laughs> Understand that? In, in Jesus' day and before that, only the high priest could go in, into the Holy of Holies in God's presence. And that only once a year. And they tied a rope on him, or uh, is that what they call a, uh, it was actually a piece of leather. They would tie it on him, so if he, Casey went in there and died in there, they could drag it back out, you know. Yeah, because you, you couldn't go in, because if you did, you're dead. You'd drop dead right there. In fact, one servant, when the ark of the covenant was being carried wasn't consecrated and and given the calling to carry it he reached out to steady it and died on the spot how many of you knew that yeah yeah well that doesn't seem right maybe not but that's what god did and who are we to, to question that you know either way what i'm saying to you is this there is and always has been a mediator between god and man and that's jesus christ always has been it isn't the virgin mary And some people want to think that. No evidence to that. In fact, evidence to the contrary. I don't care what people want to think. We think a lot of things that aren't true. Christ is the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. Period. No other way. I don't care what the Pope says. I know the Pope says that everybody uh, has a different way of worshiping God. And we all uh, have the same God. We just have different pathways. (laughs) No no such way. I, I'll take that. I'll take that argument with him all day long. I'll sit down next to him, telling me that's not true. Because I'm going to do this here. Pick any passage scripture you want, bud. Show me. You can't do it. Not in your Bible. Not in mine. Not in anybody's. Because it's isn't there. You know why? Because there's only one way to the, to, to the Father, and that's through one way to the Father. That's through Jesus Christ. Only Him. Yeah. That's the only way. When sin entered into the world, by the first disobedient choice of Adam and Eve, a barrier was automatically placed placed between God and his human creation. Did you know that? And and the devil said, now they're mine. and And we are until the Lord rips us away from him. Yeah? None of us are worthy to come into the Father's presence unless blood was spilled on your behalf. In death to pay the penalty for that disobedience and then justify you back to the Father. None of you. Me, you, you at home, you in Mecca. Nobody. Zero. In fact, in the Old Testament, again, we talked about the high priest, entered the Holy Holies once, once a year. But humankind got too bad for that, one enough. <laughs> the Bible tells us that Jesus is the great high priest of the unbeliever and the sinner, which are actually one and the same. The unbeliever and the the sinner are one and the same. Did you know that? Because the idea is, if you're a believer, you ought not be a sinner anymore. (laughs) There's a concept. Anybody with me here? You see, all unbelievers are sinners, period. They may not think they are. You might have some pretty good people out there that aren't saved. They're still sinners. You, You do know that, right? Yes, that infant that just got born this second is a sinner, Period. Does the Bible say that? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And I know there's somebody out there, they haven't done anything yet. They were born. They were born. They were born from the seed of a man and a woman in humanity who also passed their sin to that person. Do you understand that? Are they accountable to the sins of their parents? No. They're accountable for sin. To be justified, they have to accept Jesus Christ. They have to be saved when they reach the age of reason, they have to make that choice. And yes, they have to be baptized. I don't care if they're baptized an infant or not. That's up to them. Their parents want to do that. As long as they accept that baptism when they get saved. If not, do it again. And I know people that do. But you shouldn't get baptized every time you've sinned. In fact, that's what Jesus told Peter. Hey, hey, listen, I don't need to keep baptizing you over and over again, man. I'm looking for what's in here, yeah? You see, Christ deals with our status in behalf to the Father because none of us can go to the Father without the Son. He's earned that right and privilege when he lived this sinless life and then died in our place to fulfill the blood requirement. He took upon himself every sin from every human from the beginning of time in order to achieve the glorious and amazing restoration of humankind to the Father's kingdom he delivers us there's that word again Jesus delivers us into the presence of the Father just as he was delivered into our midst he delivers us in the presence of the Father because without him we could never be in the Father's presence never not even in eternity could we And we could never approach the Father without Him. But now we can approach the throne at any time because of Him. Isn't that a stunning arrangement? Why? Because it simply isn't possible any other way. It's sort of like the common person trying to see the king. It wouldn't happen. When was the last time any of us thought we could just stroll up to the White House, knock on the door, and expect to have an audience with the president? Uh, You're going to be on the ground pretty quick. As somebody just found out here not too long ago. Jumped the gate, ran, got to the front door of the White House. (laughs) Didn't get much further than that. But he did it. Wouldn't it be great if you could do it? Yeah, but it it doesn't happen. But with God it does. You think the White House is a high and mighty place? Wait till you see heaven. Are you following me here? We're, We're not even talking on the same scale here. We put... The White House and the Kremlin and all these places as these high and mighty places. And God says, ha, they're only there because I allowed it. God is so much. God is out of this world higher than that. You get that? Out of this world. And Jesus has made the way for us to go into the Father's throne room. For God is the highest power. He's the highest authority. He's the highest being in the entire universe. And <laughs> that universe is pretty big. We don't even know how big it is. None of us knows. We're we're not that astute. We're certainly not that advanced. But we put more stock in our science than we do him. (laughs) What a joke. God just, I think, just shakes his head. Did you know that God outranks every government, every king, every dictator, every ruler, and, yes, every president? Every one of them. No matter how prestigious or powerful they think they are. And we have been given total access to God because the Son delivered for you and me. And now through that, he actually delivers us into the Father's presence. He delivered for us so that we could be delivered to him. It's more sacred and more unbelievable than most of us actually realize, my friends. And I think we sort of take advantage of this amazing gift and we take it for granted sometimes. Lastly... The church now, because of what Christ did for us, delivers the lost into the presence of Christ. That's our role. That's the mission of the church. Now, I'm not sure the church actually understands this mission because we failed at it so miserably. And I have to believe that Christians don't really understand. But our mission is simply and completely to introduce the lost to the Savior. That's that's our mission. And I think... We believe that the mission of the church and Christians is more so along the realm of self-fulfillment. That's what I think we believe it is, because that's what I see. It seems we make every decision in the church and about the church to do exactly that, to self-fulfill. We even choose a church that suits us, where we're comfortable and where we want to stay comfortable. Don't tell me we don't. I can promise you. Because I've asked people from other churches, why do you attend there? what they tell me? Well, so-and-so's there, and I like the music, and mm, okay, good for you. That's not the reason you're in church. It's not. Do I think that our worship can always be better? You bet I do. I think we need to put our best foot forward. Things of God is terribly lacking. You know why? Because we don't want to learn. We want to look at pictures and videos instead of learning the depth of what's there. Well, the Bible <laughs> can be put into some type of picture, form, and video, I guess. But, friends, unless you read it, you're, you're not going to get there. You're just not. So suck it up and do it. And if you don't understand, come and ask. There's not a pastor in here. Pastor, stand up. Pastor Chris, Pastor Bob, uh, Pastor Jonathan, uh, uh, Pastor um, Neva. Stand up. You're a pastor. Stand up. Look at him. Look at him. There's not a one of these people that wouldn't sit down with you and try to explain something to the best of their understanding. And if they couldn't get it or didn't know, they would find somebody. Wouldn't you? Because that's the role that they're in. Go ahead. Thank you. It's on you. You gotta do it. Friends, I know that none of you really wants to hear this, but I have to admit that this is what I see, and it isn't just here at FLCC. I don't think it's as bad here as it is in other places. You would be surprised at the shallowness of people, and I'm going to say it right now, that I see that go to other churches, even big ones. I'm like, what are you learning? And that's what the enemy wants. I don't blame the people, because they're always going to choose the easier path. I blame Satan. That's who does it. He wants that. I can't really blame the pastor, because the pastor may or may not be giving the meat and potatoes that ought to be there. But but it's not my call whether they do or don't. That's between them and God. I hope they are. I know some don't. I know some are teaching falsely. I can tell you they are. I'm not going to, but I can. But here's the thing, friends. You have responsibility, according to Scripture, to find out what's true and what's not and listen to that only. It's called discernment. The Bible calls you to discernment. Not to go what makes you feel comfortable And I also know that there are, as well as there's shallow Christians in other churches, there's also very strong Christians in other churches. Probably stronger than us. It'll always be that way. Because you know what makes a strong Christian? The person that desires it. Doesn't matter where you're going, you can be a strong Christian. And if you're not getting it where you are, go someplace where you can. The strong Christians have the desire right here to know more. Anybody? Anybody? can we really say that's not true you can't you see we're just not surrendering our lives completely to God even though we think we have you see what you think is enough God probably doesn't when you think it's enough God likely doesn't and the Word of God has to be the gauge not your feelings not your human understanding not other people the Word of God that's the gauge that and the leadership of whatever church you attend in other words If the pastor doesn't think you're putting forth enough effort, you probably aren't. If the pastor doesn't think your knowledge is where it ought to be, you probably isn't. If the pastor thinks you're shallow, you probably are. Why? Because that's the business we're in. And God called us to that business. Because I'll tell you this, any pastor in a position that wasn't called by God will fail. God will expose them and remove them. I'm telling you. And you know what? Who would want to do this if they weren't called to it? I wouldn't. In fact, I didn't want to be called to it when I was called. But I was obedient eventually. Friends, we have to listen to the leadership of people. Don't argue with them. They're not going to tell you those things to hurt you. They're going to tell you those things to help you, to advance you, to encourage you, to get you to want more and to get higher, greater, stronger, deeper. Every pastor wants that. I assure you they do, but they're not really a pastor of Jesus Christ. Am I right, pastors? Every one of them wants that. We're supposed to deliver the loss to Christ by forgetting about what we want and by living a life worthy of what he has done. Now, I know we're a little late. Stick with me here. And we're supposed to do it by sharing this amazing truth and gift to everyone, whether they're going to accept it or not. Look at Matthew 28, the Great Commission. That's what Jesus said. Further, this passage says that we're to do way even more than that. We're to forget about ourselves. We're we're to forget about what we want. And we're to make deeper, stronger Christians in others. We're to invest in other people. That's our role. So if the pastor calls you in to talk about your spirituality, go. Listen. If the pastor wants to talk to you about your role in the church, listen. If the pastor asks you to do something, accept it. Because you better believe the pastor has prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed some more before he or she ever asks you to do that. You have to believe that. Because the last thing I want to do, last thing any one of these pastors wants to do is get it wrong. And my church board knows, guaranteed fact, we may have positions available, positions that need to be filled on the board or otherwise, but if there's no one qualified, I will not fill it. I won't fill it. I don't need a warm body. I need the one that's called to that. And if I ask you to do it, you better believe I prayed about it, not to fill a hole. I like to think every pastor works that way. We're supposed to do this, my friends, no matter the cost to ourselves, no matter how much time it may take. God demanded, Christ demanded, we make disciples of all people. Notice I said we're to make disciples, not friends. If they become a friend, that's great, but we're to make disciples. You're going to turn some people off before they become a disciple, I promise you. Anybody know that? Okay. You're not just supposed to lead people to Christ. You have to also invest in them and make disciples out of them. That means it's going to take some time from you. It's going to take a little bit of your talent, a little bit of your resource. Now, the only issue we need to understand is that as difficult for the lost as it is to be saved, we have to do it. It is very difficult for the lost to be saved. You have to know that. How do I know? Well, there's several reasons, first of all. One, the Bible says that oh, the righteous can barely get saved. <laughs> so it says, 1 Peter four eighteen. Peter says, it's, 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 the righteous barely get saved. It's that, it's that difficult. What it means by that is, it's very difficult to get saved and stay there because people don't want to be righteous. We just don't. More than that, did you know that people today are self-centered and self-righteous? Self-centered means that, you know, you know what that means, but self-righteous means that you think how you are is just fine. That's self-righteousness. You think that righteousness depends on what you think. If you think you're good, then you are. And you'll look for people that you know will agree with you to tell you that. That's what you'll do. Do you know that people don't believe it's necessary for them to get saved? That they... <laughs> have all sorts of reasons why they don't need to be saved. They actually believe other reasons and excuses. And thirdly, the church doesn't seem to realize how imperative it is to save the lost. I think that. Again, we're rather self-centered and more worried about our needs and what we want rather than just becoming a better Christian so that we can be a better servant. Because you can't be a very good servant if you're not first a pretty strong Christian. Because your servanthood will be lacking If there at all and you'll be worried about how it's going to go or how comfortable you're going to be or what you're going to get out of it according to Jesus nothing you shouldn't worry about any of it just be a servant doesn't matter what you're going to get out of it you may get nothing other than eternity (laughs) that's pretty big item you see friends we call this playing church And a lot of people are doing it we're affiliated with the church and we're affiliated with Christianity but we're not nearly as active as God demands us to be and this is why churches are not only not drawing people into their fellowship right and left because in this day and age as bad as it is we ought to be okay but it's also why the church is treated so poorly and it is we're we're treated with sort of a mild indifference until we take a stand and then we're treated with disdain and hostility Huh? Aren't we? It's why we're not powerful anymore. (coughs) Used to be. Used to be the government and everybody worried about what Christians thought. Not anymore, because we're in a minority. And why is that? More people per capita and less Christians. I'd say the devil's winning. What do you think? And yet the unsaved, the lost, need all the help that they can get, more so than ever before. Why? because there's way more of them and their number is rapidly growing. The amount of people that are dying every single day without Christ stuns me. There's no way back. You can't get back if you die without Christ. It's eternal damnation, period. No, you can't pray him out of purgatory. No, you can't. No, and yes, I'll stake my entire pastoral career on it. Right there it is. Can't do it. So friends, regardless of what you've always believed, regardless of what you want to believe, this is why the church is in the world, to deliver people into the presence of Christ. That's the only real task we have. God's not so concerned of how you do it that's why there's so many different flavors. As long as you do. As long as you do. This is why Jesus founded it. It's a why he established it. And it's why he gave us the plan to maintain his presence and grow it. And if you're not doing it, close the door. Close the doors, shut down, go do something else. If you won't or don't want to deliver unbelievers into the presence of Christ, then stop church because you're playing church. It ain't about you. Rick Warren's the first one to be brave enough to say it, it ain't about you. I don't think God necessarily cares if you like the worship. I don't think God necessarily cares if you like the pastor. I don't think God necessarily cares if you like anything about your church. As long as you're going there learning about him and delivering people into the presence of Christ. If you're doing that, now, now, now we can talk about other things because that's the reason we're here. This is also why the Son came to, the, to this world. It's precisely why the Father sent Him. You see, our God is in the delivery business. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Our Father is in the delivery business. If any part of the inner workings of the family business breaks down, the precious goods that we are trying to deliver may never be delivered on time. And if they're not delivered on time, somebody pays eternally somebody pays eternally. And it's pretty obvious, my friends, that's disastrous. So, we're in the family business. (laughs) Did you know that, whether you wanna be or not? The question is, why wouldn't you want to be? Are we doing our best, giving our best to advance the family business? Or are we really just dropping the ball because we're too busy looking at self here? There's an awful lot of self in the lives of Christians that shouldn't be there. Yes, the choice is yours. God knows that. But if you follow his choice, you'll understand how important it is because the situation is critical. As our worship team comes, stand with me today. Friends, yes, I know that we went lengthy today. I get that. I'm sorry for that. But I'm not sorry for delivering the truth. And I couldn't cut it back. I tried to cut it back. I really did. And maybe I spent more time on the delivery of things beginning. But I wanted you to see how common it is. The reason? Because we're more worried about delivery in this world than we are delivering to the next one. Because it's about us. It's about convenience. It's not about that. It should be. Do you see how the, the relevance and the correlation is stunning? I want to deliver people into the presence of Jesus Christ. I want to deliver people into the presence of Jesus Christ. You have to say that every day. You have to believe that. You have to write it on your heart. You have to know it. More than that, you got you gotta, you gotta exude it. You gotta suck it up and 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 let it just permeate everything that you are. Because that's what he did. Jesus would have done anything to deliver people into the presence of the Father. And he did. He gave his life for it. Where are you? What are you willing to do? So when Mandy comes to you and says, I really need you to be in a small group because it's on her heart. I chose her because I knew it would be on her heart. And she's going to get discouraged because a lot of people aren't flocking to be in a small group. I know that. Katie has a desire to help people worship, and she uses her talent to do it. And when people don't participate in worship, she's going to get discouraged. Jessica is one of the most godly women I've ever known in my life, and she doesn't want me to say that. She has a desire for people to come into the presence of the Father. That's who she is. Her husband's the same way. He does it in everything he does. And I'm not trying to build people up. I'm I'm just telling you that certain people get it, and when they do, man, there's no taking them anywhere else. That's where they're going to go. And they know that the discouraging day comes, but joy comes in the morning. And when you say, I don't have time for a small group, shame on you. When you say, I don't want to go to church, shame on you. I don't have time for a Bible study. Shame on you. I do too much in a week. I can't come on Sunday night. Shame on you. Shame on you. You will never have this massive desire to deliver people into the presence of the Christ if you don't work on your spirituality. And you will never work on your spirituality when you're working on everything else outside of it. That's a fact and I don't care how busy you are, I doubt any of you is as busy as me. I really do. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, I can do it and so can you. I had to make a decision though. I had to make the decision. Every one of us does. I know how busy he is. I know how busy he is. I know how busy he is. I know how busy that one is. I know how busy, but they've made a decision. And that's what you have to do. Make a decision that's important. To deliver people into the presence of Christ grow this church do what is necessary fulfill the vision that God gave me the first day I walked in the front door that this was going to be an insanely powerful church that's why I'm still here because the day that's not gonna happen is the day I'm gone I promise you that's because that's not fulfilling what God has can we do it together? Well, I'll tell you what. If, if I was in your place and the pastor said that, I, I, you you wild horses wouldn't keep me from here. You wouldn't. Why? Because I know what it's going to take. It, it starts with us right here. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.